0: third john we're picking up our study from last week that is not exhaustive you can take that picture down mitch (laughs) that was actually taken at our rehearsal dinner the day before we got married december twenty eighth, 2001 and through the increase of my doughy physique she is still here so that's okay We're not exhaustively looking at the qualities of a growing Christian, but we're seeing some things that may not be readily discussed. It just so happens that we have the beautiful privilege of having Mr. Brenneman with us today as one of the missionaries that we've supported at this church. What John is concerned with here is what the testimony of a Christian looks like amongst brothers and sisters. And so one thing that I would like us to do quickly is to read through this book, it's a short one, it's only one chapter long, it's not long at all, talk a little bit about what we've already seen and then to pick up where we left off. It says, the elder to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. For I was very glad when brethren came and testified to your truth, that is, that is, How you are walking in truth. And I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Beloved, you are acting faithfully in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, and especially when they are strangers and they have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, for they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. For this reason, if I come, I will call attention to his deeds, which he does, unjustly accusing us with wicked words, and not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren either, and he forbids those who desire to do so, and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. And the one who does evil has not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. And we add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. But I hope to see you shortly, and we will speak face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you and greet the friends by name. One of the prominent things that we see at the beginning or that we discussed last week was the idea of a faithful testimony amongst the body of Christ. And it's not that we're trying to bring light to ourselves. If that's the case, we end up being the object of glory. That's not the idea. In fact, you would find is that if you have become the object of glory, you have gained that attainment by only one way and that is by the flesh it won't last it will fail it will surely expose itself for others to see because it cannot sustain itself the flesh profits nothing in order to have sustaining testimony within the body of christ It is simply yielding ourselves to the truth. And when we talk about what does it look like to walk in the truth, I have no greater joy than to hear that you're walking in the truth. It's very simple. You've read the Word. You actually believe what it says. And because you believe what it says, your operation of life necessitates a difference be made. Different thinking, different choices, maybe even different friends, maybe even different endeavors. A lot of times that type of conviction hits us where it hurts because God is doing a whittling work. Now, I haven't seen anybody in Wisconsin whittle yet. Anybody here whittle? Okay, Pastor Steve, that's great because he knows the Lord. Dismissing saying if i don't whittle i know the lord no i'm saying you got a ways to go <laughs> i'm just playing just play it you guys need to loosen up today okay or this is going to go bad for me <laughs> and you don't want that because then i'll be depressed and be in the fetal position sucking my thumb for weeks i don't want to do that so god is doing a whittling work he wants to turn every one of us into the image of his son he wants us to best reflect the true object of glory Because he knows what we would reflect apart from that true object of glory is not anything commendable or worthy. Now this is not a self-esteem message. It is a Christ-esteem message. That Jesus must be all in how we walk and interact with one another. And what's interesting is is that even though, and it's very odd, even though John brings it up one time, it really packs a punch. Verse 6. The fact that some brethren have testified to your love before the church. In other words, every way that you interact and operate with one another in the body of Christ in order to build up, in order to edify one another, is done in such a commendable way because it's done with true love. Not being two-faced, not being pleasant up front and then despising others, When no one is looking, it is the fact that the love, when we more understand the love that Christ has for us and all that he gave for us, we now become conduits of that love that turn around and it flows out of us unto other people. There's nothing for us to do there except focus on the grand nature of the sacrifice and resurrection of Jesus. Everything else just happens. Why? Because when you get excited and you focus on Jesus, the Spirit gets excited in you. In fact, you do research throughout the scriptures of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, you find that his main primary purpose is constantly to point you to Christ, not himself. Not himself. If you were to talk to the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to be most concerned with? And our charismatic brothers and sisters love to do that often, but for some reason they're not getting the message. Because it says Jesus, 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 and Jesus is all I want you to be concerned with. If that becomes the crux focus of what you have going on, the Spirit ignites in you and love just happens. What makes the Christian life hard is because it's full of humility and submission. And when the testimony stretches throughout the churches, as John reflects here, of their love that they're demonstrating to other people, It's because humility and submission has taken place. Now, here's a question. What did it tangibly look like? Well, notice what it says here. It says, verse 7, For they went out for the sake of the name... I'm sorry, back up, verse 6. And they have testified to your love for the church. You will do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy. They had actually gotten out of their personal comfort zone, and they said, We have missionaries coming through. Let's extend our home to them. Let's extend our hand to them. Let's extend our bed to them. Let's extend our fellowship and our personal time to them. Let's give whatever we have to give in order to exalt them. I'm going to ask you, is that good? Is that good when people do that for you, Mr. Brenneman? Very much. In fact, there's probably nothing like it. And why is that? Because the body of Christ has a unity that, let's be honest, flesh and blood cannot imitate. You may be blood-related to somebody, but I guarantee you that when we are leaning into Jesus, you find that he is able to cultivate a fellowship amongst brothers and sisters that is unparalleled, and we savor those relationships. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with who? What's it say? One another. Notice that. One another. So it's that humility and submission, that giving of ourselves, that saying, you know what, my stuff isn't as important as I thought it was. And allowing for a missionary to come in and to minister to them. Every believer in Christ is a minister to the body. Notice he says that you would be, do well to, to to, sorry, forgive me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, you would do well to send them on their way in a manner worthy of God, of a of a high caliber is the idea. It says here, for they went out for the sake of the name, that's what it's about, the name of Christ, accepting nothing from the Gentiles, not needing pagan support, and then... Here's where we finished up. Therefore, we ought to support such men. And that word support doesn't just mean throw money at them as much as missionaries need financial support. It's the idea of giving or providing of yourself, receiving them and welcoming them, taking them up for yourself, embracing them is the idea. Therefore, we ought to support such men so that we may be fellow workers with the truth. Now, let me say this real quick, and I'm sorry for picking on you just because you're here, but I don't believe that's by mistake. Whatever has happened to help fund the renovation of this kitchen so that it's more conducive to have couples sit down at a table and be able to do live-in intensive counseling and to have fellowship with them as believers who have walked with Christ for years, you cannot put a price on that. You cannot put a price on where the rubber meets the road and coming to terms with the truth, and the hearts and minds of obstinate husbands and wives are completely changed to where they're living selflessly and servingly for the glory of God in their first ministry given their marriages. We are fellow workers in that. That's beautiful. Are we able to get in there and do the counseling? No. Are we able to get in there and do the carpentry? No but we're able to play a small part in everything that God wants to accomplish that we very much should eagerly look forward at the results and testimonies of what come out of that. That's a beautiful thing to participate in. If you want to be part of a party, that's the party to get in. The fellow workers in God's work. Now John switches gears. And here's what the great thing about it is he's not belligerent. He's not obstinate. He's gracious as only a seasoned apostle would be. In fact, if he wrote this around 95 A.D., if Jesus was crucified around 27 A.D., and if John was in his late teens or early 20s when he started following Jesus, that means that John is in his 90s. He's about the age where he's learned a couple of things, right? So it says here, Therefore, I'm sorry, verse 9, I wrote something to the church. Now pause. What if you got a letter from John to this church? Would you be excited about that? Well, we're reading 3 John. I don't hear very many Amen, so that's why I'm asking. See, I got you on that one. John wrote a letter to them. And some people believe, well, this may have been 2 John. They don't know for sure. 2 John is all about don't associate with certain people because they're going to steal your rewards. They're heretics. Don't even welcome them. Stay away from them. Here he's saying, but those who are walking with the Lord and are ministers of the name of Christ, welcome them wholeheartedly. It's a very interesting transition that goes on here. We don't know who this was sent to. We don't know if 2 John could be the letter before. But what we do know is that John said, I wrote a letter to y'all, okay? Here's what it says. But Diotrephes, and I hope I'm saying his name right, but it doesn't matter. Diotrephes. And why is that? Because he sounds like he's a squirrely guy anyway diatrophies and notice the first thing that john says who loves to be first among them now i don't know about you and i don't even know if you can relate to this but it makes me think back to grade school when the teacher said all right everybody line up at the door and you've always got that one kid that somehow thinks he was just entitled for the front no matter who's standing there does everybody see that where this is childish type behavior The main way that this man is characterized by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be forever repeated in the infallible Word of God is that he is a man who loves to be first. Does anything come to your mind from Scripture that would tell you that's wrong? First shall be last? Maybe that's a good one. Consider others better than yourself? So here's what we know. And I believe that this is a brother in Christ. He is not walking with the Lord. That may be why John spent the beginning time of emphasizing and commending Gaius' walk with the Lord and the fact that that reputation with walking in the truth had been pouring out of him. Notice, this guy loves to be first. And it says here, he does not accept what we say. Now, why is that dangerous? Tell you why. Because it's John. This isn't just any John. And this isn't just 3rd John. This is the Apostle John. The one who wrote the Gospel of John. The one who was beloved of Christ. The one, this is important for us to understand, who had access to Jesus that no one else knew about in two ways. Number one, when Jesus dropped the bombshell at the supper and said, one of you is going to betray me, you have to pay careful attention to the text because what you find out is if they're reclining at the table, John leans back on Jesus' shoulder and he whispers in his ear, tell me, Lord, who it is. And Jesus shows him before he shows anybody else. He says, this is how you will know who it is. That's not just something he blurted out in public. Otherwise, the guys would be going... And they don't do that. They were deeply grieved by this news, but it's only John who shows it to. The second thing is, is he's seen the glorified Christ like we don't even understand. Revelation chapter one. His mind has been blown for ministry. Jesus has revealed himself in incredible and beautiful ways. John had deep experience fellowship with Christ. So this isn't just anyone that we're getting a letter from. This isn't some guy that's trying to enforce legalism. This is an apostle that has been verbally commissioned by the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ with the ministry of the gospel, and he used the rest of his life to invest in building up and maturing believers in Christ, ministering to the local church. Now, we got somebody that doesn't want to listen to his advice. And I think what's interesting about this is we get no inkling that John is asserting his rights. Notice that he doesn't bring up that he's an apostle. If he uses himself descriptively in any way, it's an elder, and chances are that refers to him in age, not in status. So he's not here to pull rank. But notice, he doesn't accept what they have to say. Verse 10, for this reason, if I come... And I think it's important to see, if you go down to verse 14, look what he says. But I hope to see you shortly. He wants to be there. He wants to see Gaius and he wants to visit that church. But here's what he promises them he's going to do. Verse 10, for this reason if I come, I will call attention to his deeds. I will expose him. John was a believer in church discipline. I will make sure that it is evident of his disobedience and look what it says he actually brings up the accusations see john's not a dummy he gets it and he wants to make sure that whenever this letter is read the Diotrephes knows i know what you're up to squirrely guy and we're going to have a conversation when i get there so number one look what it says unjustly accusing us with wicked words Slander. Slander. Out of the overflow of the what? The heart, the mouth speaks. How do we know that Diotrephes is in the wrong? Well, number one, because his speech is rotten. And if his speech is rotten, you can guarantee that his heart is infected. His speech is only a fractional demonstration of what's really corrupt in his heart. Diotrephes has a heart issue. So number one, he's slandering apostles, people that have been commissioned by the resurrected Jesus. You think Diotrephes ever saw the resurrected Jesus and was given any marching orders by him? Obviously not. Because if he had been, he would have shaped up. Yes? Yes. Now, you and I may not have seen the resurrected Lord Jesus, but let me ask you a question. Do we have some marching orders from him? Notice how clear that is. Well, since I haven't seen him resurrected, it doesn't really count. Hold on. Is the word of God divinely inspired or not? Did he make mistakes? He didn't. So his call to us for mission, it's not one of confusion. Neither was it for John. Notice, number one, he's a slanderer. Number two, look what it says here about diatrophes. And he's not satisfied with this. You know what that means? It means it's an insatiable desire for greater division and evil i'm not satisfied with just talking bad about john i've got to do more when he writes a letter i say that's hogwash nobody needs to pay attention to that that old man's crazy he doesn't know what he's talking about we shouldn't listen to him don't discount the gray on the roof it sounds just like satan Notice it says, and not satisfied with this, he himself does not receive the brethren either. You know what that means? He is the exact opposite of Gaius in his actions. In fact, this letter could be seen in such a way as to where John wants to line out a design that is commendable amongst the churches that everybody would sit around and rejoice in because you're caring for brothers and sisters in Christ. And now that you've seen this example, you can now paint the opposite and it becomes that much darker. Does that make sense? It's kind of like the opposite of whenever somebody wants to show you ladies a diamond, the jeweler. He's always got that little black cloth, doesn't he? And why does he bring out that black cloth? So that diamond shines all the more. Gaius is the diamond. Daltrephes is the black cloth. And it's incredible just how black that cloth looks when compared to Gaius' demonstration, his testimony, his walking in the truth. So he's not satisfied with just talking smack. It goes much more than that. When missionaries show up, he don't want anything to do with them. Now, John sent me an email. Hey, I would like to come and stand up for a few minutes and thank the church for their generosity. What if I wrote him back? We don't accept your kind here. You can hit the road, Joker. What if I said that? Now, you'd be worried about my heart, wouldn't you? You see what I'm saying? There's no reason not to accept our brothers and sisters in Christ, especially when they're out there for the sake of the name. Diotrephes doesn't see it that way. And I keep saying his name different ways. You know who I'm talking about. Diotrephes. Sure, that's a good way to say it. Thank you, Tom. You do matter. Okay, moving on. So I said, stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up. Hi, bro. I love Tom, I do. It's only because I love him that I pick on him. Yeah, he filled in last week, it was rough. <clears throat> he does not receive the brethren either. And notice this, a third count against him. And he forbids those who desire to do so, and puts them out of the church. You've got a church of brothers and sisters who are desirous to want to minister to missionaries by welcoming them in their homes, by feeding them, loving them, allowing them to sleep there, fellowshipping with them, praying with them, sharing in their lives, supporting them, and then sending them out in a way that is worthy of God. And you've got diatrophies, I'll say it that way, saying no. No. Enough of this! What's his rationale behind that? Why would he do that? He wants to be first, remember? The light can't shine anywhere else. Now pause for a second. Who did John say was really getting the glory for all of this submission and walking in the truth? Christ. See, this is where he wanted to be first. He wanted to be in front of Christ. This is an abuse of ministry. So now we have three charges against this man. Unjustly accusing us with wicked words, not receiving the brethren and housing them, and also forbids others in being obedient. In fact, that word forbids, hinders. He restrains them. He restrains them. And look what it says. To the fact of where if they don't comply, look what it says at the end of 10. He puts them out of the church. Now, everybody think through the lunacy of this. Imagine dealing with a a squirrely guy like that. I don't know what else to call him. I think that's a good, that's not abusive, is it? Squirrely? Squirrely? Okay, that's fine. But imagine, can you imagine him asserting his authority in the church and saying, yeah, well, if you want to house and love and care for missionaries and take care of them, you can leave. That sounds dumb. There's no other way to spell that. D-U-M, Dumb. kentucky education so diotrephes is actually fighting against manifest hospitality that is in alignment with the truth and loving people who are ministering for christ's name what is wrong with this guy he is squirrely. but think with me for a minute think with me for a minute why would you do all those things which are a manifestation of a deeper problem But on top of that, before that, what he brought up was, is that when John decides he wants to write, Theotrephes takes his letter and just puts it right in the trash. He files it. So nobody else can, I don't listen to him. It's not a big deal. What pushes a man to those extremes? Not just pride. Sin. Sin. If you have an inspired apostle of God who is writing To give direction to a church and to exhort them to continue to care for missionaries and support them as they're out there suffering hardships and ministering the gospel of Christ. The only reason why you wouldn't accept such glorious sin is because you have become such glorious truth is because you have become a lover of sin. Sin has taken control of the situation, sin has become top dog. He's obviously got something going on that he doesn't want exposed. You know what that's called? A bully. Diotrephes is a bully. And he wants to manhandle the church. And if you don't agree with me, you can just leave. I'm going to throw you out. I'm going to put you out. Let's slander John. Well, John doesn't really know anything. Well, John says he spent time with Jesus, but we don't really know. It's using whatever defense mechanism he could possibly muster. In order to defame a very reputable, reputable reputable, person. What's that? Yeah. Tom served his purpose today. We're good. In order to slander him so that nothing gets in his way of his authority. Everybody see how abusive this is. John is calling out abuse in the church. Now here's something I want you to grasp. And I was going to save it to the end, but I'm just going to go ahead and let the rabbit out now. Does everybody notice, and pay attention please, because we all suffer from this sin and it needs to go away, it needs to die in a pile. Does everybody notice that John is not passive aggressive about this situation? Everybody see that? Yeah, well, because he's slandering me, I'm not going to visit you all anymore. Everybody see he doesn't do that? Well, I'm not going to write you any more letters because he rejects them. Obviously, some letter got through. It ended up in scripture, but notice he is not trying to find ways within his realm of influence to make other people pay because they won't comply with what he wants. He doesn't do that. You know what he does? If he has a sin with his brother, his brother has sinned against him. He goes and he talks to him face to face. He deals with it. That is walking in truth. It is finding a way that a person has infringed upon you or a way that you feel have been wronged. And instead of talking smack, you deal with it. Instead of throwing people out, you deal with it. Instead of having this whole idea of discouraging people for obedience so that you stay in a safe place, you deal with it. And you don't have to deal with it like a jerk. You don't have to mean, be mean. You come humbly. You come with the word of God you come faithfully, you come truthfully. And you know what? You let God do the work. John deals with conflict biblically. Notice he says here, verse 11, beloved, do not imitate what is evil. Does that sound like a solid declaration there? And notice he's not being passive aggressive there. He's not saying, don't imitate that evil guy that I'm not going to say his name, except it starts with diatrophies. He doesn't say that. He says, you guys have a clear picture of what evil looks like there in your midst. Don't imitate that. Don't model yourselves after that. Don't follow after that nonsense. But look what he says. But what is good Our actions good. As believers in Christ should be demonstrating of whether or not other people who are brothers and sisters in Christ can look to them and say, should I model that or should I not model that? Was Gaius not a perfect model in their midst? Absolutely. Notice he's writing to Gaius, find other perfect models, other good models. Imitate that. Look for that. Go for that. Why is that? Because the more people that you have rallied around the truth and walking in the truth, now, Trafes is temporary. He'll eventually get dealt with and he'll eventually repent, humble himself, experience revival, recapture intimacy and fellowship with the Lord. I, I, I'm praying that John wrote 1 John 1 9 before he wrote 3 John. That way, now, Drey, asked 1 John 1.9 to practice, right? But I'm sure the idea of confession of sin was something that John was promoting throughout the churches, and that's exactly the prescription that this man needs. Notice he says here, the one who does good is of God. In other words, the one who is beneficial, the one who is helpful. It's, that Greek word is actually even used for people who are considered commendable or good citizens in society. The one who has a track record, a public display of good... That's a person that you see the evidence of God working through because everything you see good in them is the work of the Spirit through them. But look what he says here to contrast. The one who does evil has not seen God. And there's some debate there about whether or not the fact that they're not really saved. I think with the way that John structures his other letters, we would read through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and we would probably come to a conclusion of it's somebody who's not walking in fellowship with John at that moment. They are a carnal Christian, as we're told at the end of 1st Corinthians 2 and the beginning of 1st Corinthians 3. So he's out of fellowship with the Lord. And then... John brings up a fourth personality here. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. Now, chances are the reason why attention is drawn to a man named Demetrius is Demetrius is the guy who's the letter carrier. He's the guy who got it from John after he wrote it. John rolled it up and sealed it and said, Here, take this to Gaius at whatever and have him read it. So Demetrius is going to be on his way. Well, the man standing before you, Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone. Now, if we understand that contextually of the idea from everyone, and we go back up and see verse 6, and they have testified to your love before the church, chances are what's happening is, is when people are walking in the truth as disciples of Christ, it spreads for the encouragement of the body. Nothing else gives John joy but to hear that his children are walking in the truth. Does everybody see how all that connects and works together? So notice, he says here, he has a good testimony from everyone, watch this, and from the truth itself, in other words, if you were to ask the truth, if you were to ask God's word, if you were to take God's word and compare it up to his life and say, how you doing? You would find that Demetrius has flying colors, which tells me that everything he did was motivated by love, everything. Notice it says here, <clears throat> and we add our testimony. Notice there's a personal vouching that takes place. And you know that our testimony is true. Regardless of what Diotrephes says, our testimony is true. And we're commending him to you as a godly example. He says here, verse 13, I have many things to write to you, but I'm not willing to write them to you with pen and ink. He didn't have any time for texting. He put down his phone. I was sitting there thinking, I was like, praise Jesus that no one's come up with an app to do communion through your phone yet. Praise the Lord. Let's be honest. Do not our phones often keep us from fellowship? Don't they? What in the world are we doing? Forsaking the body of Christ. You would think that some of the disciples that we belong to are of the church of Facebook. What's wrong with us? I belong to the church of Instagram. (laughs) Next thing you know, we got weird denominations going on. Put down our phones and call one another, love one another, meet with one another, and not just on Sunday morning. Notice, I could write you more, but I don't want to. What I really want to do is I want to come and be with you. In the face of opposition, I know when I step into the situation, it's going to be tense. We're going to have to deal with squirrely guy, but I love you, Gaius. I want to be there with you. You're walking in the truth and nothing encourages another brother or sister in Christ than being around somebody who's walking in the truth because it spurs them on to walk in the truth. This is the the third John is the whole idea of a sound testimony within the body building up edifying the body of Christ. We don't just do good deeds to do good deeds and we're okay with God. That's legalism. We do good deeds springing out of the already sufficient grace of Christ on the cross as a result of our love for him, which issues itself in our love for one another. That is a godly atmosphere. So he says, but I hope to see you shortly and we will speak face to face. Peace be to you. And some people have debated, the friends greet you. Some people have said, well, the reason why he wrote this is because they were under persecution and he didn't want it to be intercepted and all this stuff. Maybe, it seems like what it is, is he's got certain people in mind. He's got some sort of agreement with Gaius. Friends greet you, people that are with John, and greet the friends by name. Go to every one of them and tell them that I said hello and I look forward to coming. This is a beautiful letter. It's a beautiful letter and it deals with everything that would be pertinent to a healthy body of christ it is full frontal and gracious about disobedience in the body it calls sin sin it encourage us to godly action in caring for those missionaries if you have the opportunity to go over and introduce yourself and say hi to mr Brennaman before he has to leave i know he has another church he has to go to love on him a little bit let him know commit to praying for him if you don't already Ask him what his direct needs are, and write those down, and love him as the body of Christ should. But it also tells us that having a testimony of walking in the truth, simply submitting ourselves humbly to the Word of God, that's what causes a church to grow. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the testimony of Third John. We thank you, God, for the goodness of what it is to gather as brothers and sisters and to see a divine commendation of testimony father each one of us has a testimony here whether we like it or not we're all known for something in this body maybe some are more known than others but that doesn't mean that any are more significant than the other you see all parts of the body of christ is indispensable father i pray that our hearts would be searched right now by the spirit that we could truthfully answer the question, what is my testimony in the body? Am I someone that is known for loving to be first? Am I someone who has slander on my lips? Am I someone that would shy away or discourage hospitality for those who are ministering in the name? Am I discouraging other Christians from godly obedience? Or is my testimony one of walking in the truth? One that becomes infectious because the Spirit is working through me. We all have a testimony. So I pray, Father, that you would minister to our hearts what that testimony is, where we see the spots on our testimony. We would humble ourselves under your mighty hand. We would confess it. We would give it up to you. We would ask God for you to change our hearts and to conform us more to the image of your Son, that we would get out of your way in all the work that you're trying to do. If we are walking in the truth, I pray, God, you guard us from pride, guard us from self-sufficiency, guard us from thinking that we don't need you any moment of any day, that we would be humble before you regardless. We ask, Father, that you would do this in the name of Christ, our amazing Lord.